Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with light workers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. What if, instead of being ashamed of and stepping over and maybe cursing your clutter, what if you stopped to uncover its message? Author Carrie Richardson is here today to help us gain some insight into how compassionately working with clutter can help us stop self-sabotage and welcome abundance in all its form. Are you ready to meet her? Carrie Richardson is a lifestyle designer and trained coach with more than 15 years of experience. She's the author of the best-selling book, What Your Clutter is Trying to Tell You. Carrie's worked with thousands of people throughout her career, helping them quiet the noise, eliminate clutter, and challenging them to play bigger in their lives. You can find her online at carrierichardson.com. Carrie, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Oh, good. I'm glad you're here. Let's start with, and I was saying to you a little bit before we went on the air, I have a vision of you like sitting in an all-white room wearing like a white caftan, a vase with a single red rose in front of you. There's no dust. There are no papers. <laughs> Everything is streamlined. Um, is that true? <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> no. No, I, um, you know, that's one thing that I say to people often is that only you get to decide what is clutter for you. There's no like blanket definition. So if it's, if you have things in your life, like if we're talking physical clutter, if you have things in your life that you love, need, or use, they're not clutter. Some people love their home to be filled with memories and knickknacks and cozy things and they love it so it's not clutter other people do love to live in that stark white room and so it's different for everybody but no I'm not someone who lives in a stark white room um, with a single rose I have stuff around me that I love need and use some stuff that I don't I I have clutter as I believe everyone does in some way shape or form so no not that is not me well and i wanted to bring that in because what i what i like so much about the book is that it's written with a lot of compassion it's written with humor and it's written with that idea that there's no shame in this there's just an opportunity to understand it and release and so you're not coming from that place of the i live in a i live in a magazine photo and if you would be a better person you could live in a magazine photo too you're a real person living a real life sharing real Mm -hmm. stories from your professional career and from your own career to help people untangle our our clutter so what can you share a little bit about your own decluttering slash downsizing journey yeah you know it was really interesting so back in gosh i think it was 2008 is when I bought my first home. And so we came from like a 700 square foot apartment um, and bought a home that was 2000 square feet. Wow. More than we needed, but it was a good deal. It was a smart investment, that, that whole thing. And, um, you know, I share in the introduction in my book that, so we, we moved into that new house and my in-laws came just to help us get set up. And my father-in-law who is 
unbelievable at like seeing a vision for a room and putting it together said, Hey, I'll be up before you guys in the morning, leave all of your home decor stuff out. I'll get started on decorating before you get up. And we thought, great, put everything out for him. We woke up and one room of the house was beautifully adorned. And I thought, gosh, you really are a master at this. And he said, yeah, where's the rest of your stuff? And I said, oh, that's everything. <laughs> I said, we came from a small apartment. And he said, well, and all of the other rooms were blank walls, didn't have any furniture. And he's like, oh, well, then we have to go shopping. And I went, oh, okay. It was that whole like have space must fill kind of thing. So we did, we went out, we bought like different artwork and, you know, furniture and just stuff to fill the house or, you know, they gave us some furniture. And, and so we filled this house, like we're quote supposed to do. Right. And it was beautiful. I mean, people would come in and be like, Oh my gosh, like the decor is so lovely. And because my father-in-law is a master, but I didn't feel like a loving connection to the stuff. It was just, it's an, it's a blank wall. So it has to be filled. And so we lived there for maybe six or seven years. And, and the, the, the kind of, it became clutter, like just that the house did, the responsibilities of it, you know, the mortgage became financial clutter, the yard work became clutter in that all of our weekends were spent, you know, tending to the yard. And so that proverbial white picket fence started to feel more like barbed wire. Mm. And, um, and those roots that were supposed to plant started to feel more like shackles. And I thought, this is not, I know this is what they, whoever they are, say success is, but right now where I'm at in my life, this isn't a fit for me. So then we decided, well, what would we do then? Like if we were to sell the house, what, what, I just said to my wife kind of jokingly, you know, do you ever think about cashing it all in when I was just really fed up with stuff? And she said, well, you mean sell the house? And I said, well, I hadn't really taken it that far, but sure, let's play that way. And she had already like, yeah, we can live in a different country. We can move to Belize. They use the American dollar and they speak English. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you had thought about this way too much. And so that just started the conversation rolling. And I thought, wow, I should be interested in this too. And so we decided, well, like, yeah, you know what, let's sell the house and just downsize. What, you know, we're at a place in our life where we can downsize and maybe let's just travel the country a little bit. And so we ended up selling the house and I sold most of its contents on like Facebook yard sale sites. I actually even sold the house on a Facebook yard sale site. Wow. And as I was downsizing things, like it was easy to let go of most of the items because again, they were things that didn't mean anything to me. We just bought them to fill space. Um, but then I found myself up against, I remember the moment someone bought our coffee table and they came and took it. It was a large coffee table. And when they took it, it was the first large void that I saw in the house. And that's when all the fears came up of like, oh my God, what are we doing? Are we making the right decision? Isn't this what they say success is? You're supposed to, you know, get married, buy a house and all, what are we doing? Like all the fears started to come up. So as the physical clutter left, the med the mental clutter now had space to show itself in the terms of fears and resistance and inner critic messages. So I had to work through that. And I, I realized that, you know, that's one of the first times I realized clutter is not just physical stuff, right? It's um, mental clutter, emotional clutter, there's relationship clutter, there's all sorts of clutter that when I saw it that way and I thought, oh, okay, so clutter is just a catch-all term that we give a whole lot of power and weight to. But if you think of it just as a term, like I define clutter as anything that gets in the way of you living that life you want to be living, anything. So if you think of it as a catch-all term instead of this powerful nemesis that you have to fight against, 
then you can learn to compassionately partner with it. And you wouldn't believe the moves you can make when you do that. Well, because you say that uh, toxic relationships and long held resentment and an inability to set boundaries and old thought patterns, that these are also as much clutter as that big pile of papers I haven't gone through. Yes. Yeah. What, what I find is that the big pile of papers is, is what I call symptomatic clutter. That's just the physical representation of the real clutter, the source clutter, which is often limiting beliefs, lack of boundaries, um, just dissatisfaction in relationships. The, the physical clutter is like our soul tapping us on the shoulder going, hey, something's out of alignment here in your life. You might want to check things out and see what's going on. Um, so it's, and that's stubborn clutter. I mean, we certainly have some physical clutter that can be handled with the right kind of systems, right? But that clutter that you find either reoccurs again and again and again, or that you just really struggle to clear, it has more to say. Um, so thinking about what might this item or these items represent in my life that is making it so difficult for me to clear it. Um, and paperwork's a big one. That's a huge example of something that it might be a small stack of paperwork, but paperwork clutter holds so much energy and so much power because most of the time, what is in that pile of paperwork is really kind of grown up stuff. It might be bills or divorce papers or legal documents or insurance policies. Um, you know, it can be a lot of really, yeah, adult type stuff, which can feel intimidating and scary. And if we have, let's say we have, you know, a blocking money mindset, we're going to be really resistant to handling our bills and then unopened mail is going to pile up. So it's not about I'm lazy, I'm disorganized, I just need to sit down and do it. If it was that easy, you'd have no piles. Hmm. Clearly, there's more to it than that. So what are some of the most common ways that we attract or accumulate clutter? I'm hearing you say that things that maybe we're not ready to deal with or afraid to deal with, that we attract clutter there. What are some of the mm -hmm. other ways we attract it or that it um, gets piled up? Yeah, it shows up for us um, Yeah, when it's our soul trying to get our attention. And so that's the thing of like, if this, like for me, for me personally, my most stubborn recurring form of clutter is my weight, which is clutter in and of itself. I know when the pounds start coming on, something is out of alignment in my life and I need to unpack what's going on a little bit. Like that's my soul's way of getting my attention. But also it can be, you know, if you find that you are just giving, giving, giving in your friendships and in your relationships and you're kind of being the hero for everyone and showing up for them. Um, and you start feeling taken advantage of, maybe you start feeling resentful that no one's showing up for you in that way. Now you have relationship clutter, right? So you have, you have relationship clutter because it's your soul saying, Hey, I'm going to show you through other people how much you are neglecting yourself um, by you over giving to other people. So whether it's piles of paperwork, pounds on your body, you know, inner critic messages in your mind, it's all symbols and signs to let you know that there is some deeper healing that is needed, some, some deeper layers that needing that are, are needing to be peeled back. And so it's, 
you know, I often tell clients, like, if you have some clutter that you're struggling to get rid of, um, of any form, like, really just stop and ask yourself, as silly as it sounds, like, talk to the clutter and be like, all right, all right, extra weight, what, what is it? What do you need me to, to know? Um, and as silly as that sounds, when you put pen to paper after you ask that question, it's almost as if it opens a portal and it gives your soul's voice permission to speak. Um, so it can be something as seemingly silly as that of just asking, what is it that you want me to know? The other really powerful way to start to uncover the message of the mess is to begin to intentionally work on clearing that clutter. So if you have, you know, a bunch of clothes that you haven't worn in years, but you don't really know why you're struggling to let go of them, start going through them, not from the place of looking to empty your closet, but more from the place of stirring up the message. So have a notebook or journal handy, start to just go through your closet and pull out maybe three or five things that you haven't worn in a long time and pay attention to the thoughts and feelings that stir up as you consider getting rid of them. And that will be your soul starting to speak to you with what's going on. So often we ignore those messages and we just try to push through and get the job done. I don't want you to push through. I want you to pause and be like, huh, what's, What's really going on here? You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is Carrie Richardson. Her new book is What Your Clutter is Trying to Tell You. Uncover the message in your mess and reclaim your life. Her uh, website is carrierichardson.com. You share some great client stories in the book, Carrie, and I'm wondering if you can share one that sort of that illustrates these points. Um, that in sometimes in getting the message and then beginning to clear the clutter and to do it mindfully and compassionately, it changes more than just, oh, look, my closet is cleaner. Is there a story you can oh, share? So there's a client who really stands out in my mind. Um, she came to me with just piles and piles of paperwork, and she had filing cabinets with files filled with information tidbits, you know, articles she printed off the Internet, magazine clippings, Post-it notes, and she just said it was just getting really unruly and she wanted to pare down, but was really struggling. And so to get started, we took the normal approach and say, okay, let's, let's assign you certain chunks of time that you're going to go through this paperwork and start to clear some of it out. And when I saw that she was really struggling to let go of it, we, our conversations went deeper and we started to talk more about, you know, what does this really represent for you? And, and I said, what if you were to just recycle it all? In one fell swoop, how would that feel? And she said, gosh, I feel like I would be getting rid of my intelligence. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. And so as we dug deeper, this is over a period of time of conversations, what I learned was she never felt like the smart one in the family. Um, she, you know, her siblings excelled at school without effort. She really applied herself and was an average student. Um, and her mother had said to her when she was younger that it's a good thing you're pretty meaning her brains weren't going to get her far. Wow. So when she was young, she established this belief that I'm not smart. And so she really felt that if she got rid of all of these pieces of information, that she would really be that dumb person that she was taught that she was, or, or she believed she was when she was little. Um, and so what we really needed to work on, the real clutter there was her limiting belief from many years ago. It wasn't the paperwork at all. So as we worked on flipping that limiting belief and replacing it with an empowering belief and had her intentionally walk 
in a way that validated this new empowering belief, the paperwork clutter became a non-issue. She was getting rid of it left and right. It's because she wasn't she wasn't addressing the core clutter. She was addressing the symptomatic clutter. That's to me. That's that's fascinating. The way that we sometimes attract objects to ourselves because it helps us. It gives us an identity, right? I feel smarter because I have this around me, and also because it is like a like it validates, it mirrors back who we say we are. And a lot of us, as we grow yeah. and change, we're not that person anymore. And mm-hmm. yet all the stuff that we hang on to is from that time when we needed that to sort of um, show us who we were. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it, it's really powerful. You know, I think of one other quick story, this gentleman that I worked with, um, he was trying to go through some things and uh, his one sticking point in his wardrobe was this beautiful tuxedo that he had. It was tailor made for him, custom made for him. And, um, and I said to him, you know, what's going on with the tuxedo? And he said, well, it fits me like a glove. It was very expensive and it was custom made for me. He said, so, you know, geez, I don't want to let go of it. Now he came to me because he was struggling to find a relationship. He wanted to, he wanted to be married. He wanted to have children and he just wasn't having successful relationships. So to really summarize our work together in a short period of time, what we, what I learned was that tuxedo he had made for a fundraising event that he went to with his then girlfriend. And at that event, he learned that his then girlfriend had been unfaithful with a coworker. Um, And so he's at this event in this tuxedo supporting her at her fundraiser at her company's fundraiser learns this information and is naturally devastated. They break up. Um, and he's had this tuxedo in his closet for years, for like a couple years. And, uh, and I said to him, you know, that tuxedo represents that night. You know, if you're only keeping it because it was expensive um, and because it fits well, while I don't encourage people to just throw away costly items, the energetic cost of keeping it was so much more than what he paid for it. And, and I said, what would it take for you to be able to let that go? And he said, well, I'd have to find a really great place to send it. I'm not just going to donate it. So fast forward literally a month or two only his, his company was collecting prom gowns and tuxedos for underprivileged kids who otherwise wouldn't go to prom because they couldn't afford the outfits. Now this guy, coincidentally or not, when he was in high school, didn't go to prom because he couldn't afford to rent a tuxedo. Oh my gosh. So he thought, I am going to give this tuxedo to this this foundation and he got a picture of the young man wearing his tuxedo at prom and it was such a full circle moment for him and I know this sounds like I'm making it up but I should say eight months less than a year later I think it was eight months he met this amazing woman who he's still married to to this day so that tuxedo was was keeping relationships out he was dating women but he wasn't finding the right one once that tuxedo was gone he, he then had the space to welcome in a new relationship. That tuxedo was in his relationship seat. He had no space for a good, healthy relationship. But once it was gone, he did. And that's part of, I think, that, that principle of abundance, that there is always yeah. more, always, always more, but you have to be able to open to receive it. And exactly. it sounds like he was hanging on so tight to that he couldn't receive anything else. You also, exactly. you've got some great ideas to help people set boundaries um, with difficult people. And I'd love for you to say a little bit about that. And I especially want to know about the disappointing challenge 
which just cracked uh, yeah. me up and also sounds difficult. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, it is, it is difficult. So I have clients who, clients who tend to overgive or, or struggle with boundaries. Cause I say that through my work, I've learned that there are really three common, common causes of clutter. That's unrealistic expectations, limiting beliefs, and lack of boundaries. So when I work with clients who have a real lack of boundaries, and so they kind of feel taken advantage of, they overgive, they they can't seem to say no, they say yes to everything. Um, to help them learn how to set boundaries, I pose the disappointing challenge to them. And what that is, is I encourage them to find at least one person a day to disappoint for two weeks. <laughs> now, I know that sounds really harsh and really mean, but Here's what it does. The first thing it does, it helps you to see just how often you are saying yes to things. It makes you much more aware because when you go on autopilot and you just say, yeah, sure, I got it. Yep, I can do it. I'm your girl. I got this. It, this makes you be much more present and much more aware of how many requests you're saying yes to. And then it also challenges the stories you tell yourself about how people will respond when you say no. So I'm not encouraging you to go out and intentionally hurt people's feelings. What I'm doing is saying, if someone says to you, hey, do you have a minute to look over my resume? And you say, gosh, I'm, I wish I could, but I, I don't have any time. The story that you tell yourself is they're no longer going to like you, love you, be in your life. They're going to talk bad of you. Whatever the story is, you quickly find that all of those stories you tell yourself are false. And I, I got to tell you, over the years, I have given this challenge to hundreds of clients and never once have I heard back from someone saying that it was a terrible thing that they did. In fact, this one woman wrote to me three days into the challenge and said, you created a disappointing monster. <laughs> I'm disappointing people left and right. No one is even batting an eye. And this was the most important thing. She said, I finally feel like I'm living life on my own terms for the first time ever. Mm. So it's a really powerful way to start to even see where you need boundaries. And if you struggle to set boundaries, you want to look at what is the payout that you are getting to not setting a boundary? Because that's the other important thing with clutter. If you struggle to let go of it in any form, ask yourself, how are you benefiting by keeping it? Because there is a benefit there. Otherwise, you'd be able to let it go. Yeah, that's true in energy work and in the teaching that I do that you cannot release something that you're still using. Exactly. Can't, yes. Can't Beautiful. happen. And so in however, whatever way you're using it, you got to kind of work through that before you can let go. So let the listeners know, I know we're just up at the end of our time, just a couple minutes left. How can people mm -hmm. find you online? How can we read more books and take classes and how can we do all the things? Yes, you can find me online at kerryrichardson.com. That's K-E-R-R-I richardson.com. I also um, host a weekly radio show on Hay House Radio every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern ahouseradio.com. And I have my um, clutter course, my What Your Clutter is Trying to Tell You video course coming up starting in mid-September. Um, and again, that information will be right on my website at carryrichardson.com. And as you continue this downsizing, there's a little hint at the beginning of your book that you're thinking about going the tiny house way. Yes, we're building a tiny house currently and it will be done, we're looking like end of October. Wow. And so it's, too, it's too it's 240 square feet. Oh my goodness. Um, but let me just say again, I, I'm not that white room, single row. It's, it's that small intentionally. So it can be on wheels because the plan is to 
travel the country with it in tow. It will not be my permanent residence forever and ever. Um, but even after this is done, I see myself living in probably eight, eight to 900 square feet. Because when you, when you have such an intentional amount of space, form follows function. You think about how you use it and then you design it to fit the use. Instead of like when I bought my house, it was like, oh, what am I going to use this room for? And that's when you end up having much more space than you need. So yes, within um, a probably four months, I'll be living in 240 square feet. <laughs> oh my goodness. Carrie, thank you so much for being on the show. What a great pleasure. Thank to you. Wow. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. That's Carrie Richardson. Her new book is What Your Clutter Is Trying to Tell You. Uncover the message in your mess and reclaim your life. You can find out more about Carrie and her work. Find out about her radio show on Hay House Radio, about her new video course that's starting soon. All of that is at carryrichardson.com. That's K-E-R-R-I richardson.com. And you're always invited to come on over to karenhager.com. Great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. Find out what's coming up next on this radio program. And if you are looking for a little bit of intuitive guidance, if you're looking for someone to kind of take your hand and help you out of the fog, choices and changes on your own path, take a look to see if setting up a private session with me is in alignment for you. And if you believe as I do that, when we focus our intention on change, positive change, that positive change can occur, you might want to check out openpeacefulheart.com. That's where you'll get information about the monthly free guided meditation. It's a 15-minute call, first Sunday of every month, where we gather with people from around the world to focus our intention on peace in our hearts and peace in the world. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.